made last week the rights of citizenship part two. So today is the glory of sonship, and it might end up being part one. I do not know. But whatever it is, we're just going to flow in whatever God says. Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10, when you have it, say amen. Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. But we see Jesus, come on. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So notice that the intent here was to bring many sons to glory. To bring many sons to glory. So we're talking today on our on this series relationship goals and we're talking about, about today the glory of Sonship, the glory of sonship. Father God, today I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to preach your word. I take that as a real privilege and an honor. I'm humbled by you, Lord, to have the grace to preach the gospel. I thank you for the simplicity that is in Christ and the foolishness of preaching that you can use even this foolish act to bring somebody to know Jesus. And Father, ultimately that's my desire that someone today who does not know Jesus would come to know Jesus Christ today. That God, he did everything that he did to bring many sons to glory. So today, have your way. Give me divine utterance and give me divine unction to speak and to do what you give me to speak and do. And I pray, Father, that your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts. That the word of God gets sown on good ground and produces the life you mm -hmm. sent it to produce for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, take your seats. All right, now, so let's get cranking here. We're going to do a quick review, all right? So remember we talked about, we've been basing this on John chapter 1, verse 12 in the King James Version Bible, which says that um, as men as received him, Jesus, to them he gave power to become what? sons of God. Y'all should know this by now by, by memory. All right? Even to those who believe on his name. Right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He gave them power to become sons of God. And we said, so God, from right in that verse, set his relationship goal with us. He set the goal that not just for us to be members of the body of Christ, not just disciples of Christ, not only citizens of the kingdom, but sons of the living God. Y'all got it? Now, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 in the King James Version Bible also says this, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when are we the sons of God? Huh? Now are we the sons of God. So remember I said that's the goal, sonship. And yet the Bible says here that now we are the sons. So we don't wait to become sons. It says now we are the sons of God. And look at what it says here. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him how? 
as he is. So notice our sonship now, sonship makes us now like him as he is. We do not know yet, we do not yet know what, how, how, what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we know that we shall be like him. Okay, let me slow down. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. When he comes, we shall be like him. Now are we sons. When the sun shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him not as he will be, as he is. We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Now 1 John 4 verse uh, 17 1 John 4, 17 says this, that as he is, so are we, come on, as he is. As the son is, so are we in this world. Now we are the sons of God. We shall see him as he is. As he is, so are we in this world. I'm, I'm trying to smush this together. Some of y'all look dazed and confused. Y'all fix that home. That's going to bother me. So we shall see him as he is. And then we read, as he is, so are we in this world. So now we're going to be like him. As he is, so are, are, present tense, so are we in this world. We are sons like he is. And God's goal is that we will walk in that sonship. We are sons. But I told you that without a revelation of that sonship, you will never walk in the, in the reality of that sonship. Hallelujah. I'm already a son. Say it, I'm already a son. Now, I, I noticed that there are some, some translations I was looking through, and they begin to just add in and daughters, sons and daughters. But is it okay if I just be gender neutral here? Because this isn't about gender, it's about your spirit. <laughs> I know there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of crazy things being said and done about gender, but we're talking about spirit. We are spirit beings. And in, as spirits, we are sons of God, meaning that we are the exact duplicate of God. Oh, boy, I'm, I might have to say that for a Wednesday. Um, we, we are made in God's image and in God's likeness. I'll show you some stuff here as we go. So I talked about revelation that it comes through discipleship. I'm about to say through discipleship. Now, so I talked about Luke 14. I'm not going to read, read it to you. Luke 14, 26 through 33 talks about in discipleship, you got to hate your family, hate your own life, Right? Meaning, prefer Jesus over your family. You got to bear your own cross. And then you got to forsake all and follow him. That's the requirements of discipleship. Then we got into last, uh, last two weeks, <laughs> the rights of citizenship. Do y'all remember that? Thank you, Jesus. As kingdom citizens, the Lord has endowed us with covenant constitutional rights y'all got it which means that no matter what our background is no matter where we come from no matter what we've done once you're born in the kingdom you now have covenant rights y'all look at me 
you now have covenant rights. Covenant constitutional rights. This Bible is your constitution. It is more real than the constitution that we've been living in this country for over 200 years. And the funny thing, the funny thing about it now is that we got folk now in Congress and folk now in the White House that want to throw out the constitution. One of these silly girls, AOC out of New York, she's saying, she's saying, I know what the Constitution says, so just, just forget about what it says. Here's what we want to do. But no, no, ma'am, the, the country was built on this Constitution. You, you can't throw out what it was built on. It's, that's the foundation. You throw it out, and we're no longer a country. So sit down somewhere and shut up. Now, the thing about this Constitution is man cannot change it. Man cannot get rid of it. And this Constitution bears all of our covenant rights. Can you say amen? amen? And no one can change it. And once you're born again, we're all privy to it. Now I want to read a scripture for you from Ezekiel 47, verse 22 from the Living Bible. I want you to hear this. You're going to read on the screen for me. Ezekiel 42, 47 rather. And verse 22 from the Living Bible. Look at what it says here. It says, distribute the land as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners who live with you, who live among you with their children, with their families rather. Look at this part. All children, this, this is God's principle. I'm trying to show you a principle. All children born in the land, whether or not their parents are foreigners, are to be considered citizens and have the same rights your own children have. Now, now we see that here in America. That people, there are people who, who, um, who there, there are people from other nations who travel to the U.S. when they're eight, seven, eight, nine months pregnant for the sole purpose of birthing their child on U.S. soil. Because they know that our law states that a person born on U.S. soil is by right a U.S. citizen no matter where their parents are from. There are people who will try to climb over walls and get into boats and get into canoes and get on airplanes and find whatever way they can trying to get into America just in time to have their child born in the U.S. So that child born in the U.S. gets rights as a citizen. They didn't make this up. It came from this very verse. But what this means to us is that no matter where our parents came from, doesn't matter if your parents were crackheads and dopeheads and your parents had one night stands in a back alley behind the deuces somewhere, as long as you are born in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter where your parents came from, you now have the same rights as citizens as anybody else is in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter where your parents are from. Doesn't matter if your mama never knew God or your daddy hated God. It doesn't matter if the moment you get, it didn't matter if you, if you weren't raised in church. Some of y'all were never raised in church. But it doesn't matter. The moment you got born again, you got the same rights as Peter and Paul and John and David. And you became as much a 
as Jesus. As he is. So are we in this world. It might take some of y'all a few days to grasp this. Maybe it might take you years if you don't meditate on it. But you need to know you have this. You have, you have been given the same rights. You consider a citizen as much as any of the heroes you read in this Bible. As much a son as Jesus. I'll show y'all that as we, we, we peruse this here. Hallelujah. So, I'm, I'm not going to re-preach citizenship, citizenship here, I know. But I talked to you about when you have rights, you don't need permission, right? right. Healing is a right. right. Wealth is a right. Yes. Deliverance is a right. Yes. Right? Happiness is a right. Yes, Your household being saved is a right. Yes, you, right? The Bible says you should be saved and your household. So your household being saved is a right. You don't have to beg God to save your household. It's a right. When you're a tither, there are rights. There are things that just you have a right to. And you don't ask permission for whatever you have a right to. You got this here. Now, let's go to Luke 15 because we left off here last Sunday. Luke 15, and we're going to use this to uh, buoy us over into the next section here. Luke 15. And remember, we were looking at the story of what we call the prodigal son. And in Luke 15, we saw uh, the story picks up in verse 11. I'm not going to read through all that, but in Luke 15, starting in verse 11, you see the story where this man uh, had, he was obviously a wealthy man. He had two sons, and the uh, younger son said, hey, you know, I, I, it looks kind of, I, I kind of heard stories about what goes on out there. And I'm kind of bored here in this house with all this plenty that we have here. And I want to take what belongs to me. And I'm going to go out there and have a good time out there uh, in the world. And the Bible says that his father divided his goods to them. And that young son gathered everything and took everything and went off into that far country. Remember that? And the Bible says he then began to waste all of his goods on riotous or prodigal living. And I told you that's what the devil always wants to get people to do is to take the possessions God gives you, takes the properties and takes the potential God gives you, and then waste it out there in the world. That, that's why the devil is so after, so much after our singers and our musicians and people in the body of Christ who know how to have personality and flair. And, you know, it's the very same thing, thing you saw in the book of Daniel chapter 1 when the children of, children of Israel, uh, they, they, were, they were brought into captivity in Babylon. The first thing Nebuchadnezzar did was he said, said give me all the good looking and the smart kids out of there. I'm going to take them and put them in my kingdom. Because the devil always goes after the best and the brightest in God's family and tries to pull them out into his kingdom. So this young man did that. He went out there in the world and he wasted everything. Then the Bible says uh, when, when a famine hit, a severe famine hit that land. And then what did he do? Remember that? He joined himself to a citizen of that country. Remember that? So the devil's going to try to get you a citizen of God's country to join yourself to citizens of other countries and live as those citizens live. But your Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Come on, but be what? Transformed by... Okay.
Okay, so don't do that. But he did that, and when he did that, he thought that he'd be sustained and cared for. But the Bible says he wanted to fill his belly with the husks that the pigs ate. And the Bible says, and nobody would even give him anything because that's how the world always treats you. The world will always treat you with contempt. And they will let you go on and on and on. I told you this about the devil last week. The devil, the deceit of sin is, the deceit of sin is he'll let you get in sin and get entangled with it. And it, he'll, keep, he'll keep letting you get a good job. And keep, remember I told you that last week? And he'll, he'll, he'll let you keep get promoted. And he'll keep letting you get a good apartment. And he'll let you get a car. And he'll let you have fun. He'll let you do that. And you, you think, oh, it's okay because you know, I'm still doing good. I'm still, I'm still prospering. But you're not. He's going to hit you with a severe famine while you're stuck in that land. I told you that last week. Don't let him do that to you. Don't let him trick you into living out there in the world and thinking it's going to be okay. That's because everything seems to be going okay. Because it's all going to fall. And so it fell and the Bible says he came to himself and he remember what happened. Y'all know the story. He went back home and told his father, you know, he, his plan was to tell his father, uh, I'm not no longer worthy to be your son, just make me one of your hired servants and so forth. But while he was still speaking, the father wouldn't even regard what he said about becoming a servant. And he said, bring out, told his, told his servants. He told his servants. He had servants. He said, my son is home. He told his servants, go and get the fatted calf, get a ring put on his finger, put some, sand, some new sandals on his feet, put a, a robe on, it, on his filthy self, and we're going to have a party because my son is home. Now, he had the servants take care of the son. The servants had the responsibility of throwing a party for the son. All the son had to do was put on what the father gave him. Now, let's keep going here. Go down to verse, around verse 20, uh, 25, and we'll keep going here. Verse 25. Now, his older son was in the field, and he, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the who? Servants. servants and asked what these things meant. And he, the servant, said to him, your brother, now the brother must be a son, has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. Who was angry? The son, this brother, the older son, was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, can, 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 you, can you detect... Can you detect the attitude? Can you, can you detect it? As soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Verse 31, here, here's the kicker. And he said to him, son, Now, the Holy Ghost never wastes words. When Jesus tells this parable, this, these words are there for a reason. 
that he said to him, son. He could have started the sentence by saying you. You remember when, when Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, Judas has already agreed to betray him and Judas shows up with a whole contingent of, of, of soldiers and uh, Judas comes over to him and Jesus says, uh, Judas kisses him and Jesus says, friend, you betray me with a kiss? Jesus could have said you betray me with a kiss, but he said, friend. The friend is to imply, friend, I'm still your friend. You doing me dirty, but I'm, I'm, still, I'm still your friend. In a, in a couple days, I'm going to die for you, friend. <laughs> so here, when he's saying, he said to him, son, he's saying, uh, son, this is your position. Son, now watch what he says. You are always with me. Now that's what the boy just said. I've always been here working. Go, go, in fact, go back, go back to verse 29, ver, verse 30. Verse 30. I think it's verse 30. Verse 30. No, verse, verse 29. That must be it. Verse 29. And he said, uh, I, all these years I have been serving you. Okay. He said, this is what the son is saying. All these years I have been serving you. Now go to verse 31. Verse 31. Verse 31. Verse 31. Son, you are always with me. Now, I'm, I'm waiting on y'all this side to catch it. This side kind of got it. This side, y'all kind of slow. He's saying, the, the son saying, all these years I've been serving you. The dad said, son, you're always with me. His point was, son, why you been serving all these years? I got servants. Why are you acting like a servant? I have servants. He didn't say, he didn't say son, you're right. You've been serving me. He said, son, you are always with me. If you with me, son, act like a son. And to boot, son, I'm going to show you how much how much I want you to understand this. He says, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. So why in the world have you been living all these years like a servant? Servants, if servants party, they ask permission. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. This, 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 this is going to mess up 16 and a half of y'all. If servants, servants put in prayer requests. Boy, y'all, we, we, we can go home. We can go home. We can go, we can go home. We can, we can go home. Servants, servants keep putting in prayer requests. Lord, if you... If you can stop by here, Lord, if you, if you have time, Lord, while you're passing out blessings, Lord, please have one for me, Lord. Lord, if you don't mind, Lord, stop by here and touch my body, Lord, and stop by the hospital, Lord, and oh, Lord, that's service. He says, son, you're always with me, and all I have is yours. You ain't got to make no request. 
You just take it. You just use it. Now, I don't know if, if the 16 and a half of y'all got this. But the trick of the enemy to the body of Christ is that he's had us behaving like servants and not like sons. I, I got that. In, in the, I'm going to show you that. And so, so we, we, here we are, sons, as he is. So are we in this world. Sons, who all that I have is yours. Doesn't your Bible in the 8th chapter of Romans call you an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ? Which means that all that belongs to God belongs to Jesus and all that belongs to Jesus also then belongs to you. So why are we still living and acting like servants when he says, son, 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 son. My, my, I, have, I have one biological son. I have spiritual sons, but I'm talking about I have one biological son. That's my son. My namesake. Hallelujah. Good looking young kid. Handsome like his daddy. And uh, when, when, my, when my son was three and four and five and six and seven, you know, little, little boy, you know, when he was a little boy, he would just, you know, put on whatever you know, mom or we put out for him to just get dressed. But then, then as he began to, you know, age, you know, you become aware of yourself. And uh, as you become aware of yourself, you try to, you know, get your own little swag. Am I right about it? I know I'm talking. Try to get your own little swag. And, um, and, um, but when he was a little boy, um, he, 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 he used to wear Michael Jordan cologne. <laughs> or, what, or what, just whatever, whatever he had, you know, just, I, I'm not, see, I'm leery about naming colognes because some of y'all might have those colognes. I'm not going to say the colognes I want to name because I might offend some of y'all for wearing Brute by Fabri-J. I don't want to offend you if you're still wearing Brute by Fabri-J. You know, when, when you 12, you, you spray Axe and thank you to bomb. You spray. So as he aged and coming to himself and hits that, you, you know, you hit that age. Y'all know that, that age. Well, you, you bathe because, you, you know, nobody got to tell you to bathe and. Take two showers and all that kind of stuff, and you know, hitting the. Well, he he taps into dad's collection. See, dad has a different level of cologne. Dad has a whole different. And uh, 
at, at first when he was younger, he just asked, you know, he was asking because mainly he was getting my recommendation. But now he come out smelling like, boy. You've been in my stash, haven't you? Now, Dwight, he don't ask. He just goes and get whatever flavor of the day he wants to get. He comes out, I say, boy. But then you know, when he walks away, you know what I say? That's right. See, that's a father. A father takes pleasure. The, the, the Bible says in Luke 12, 32, that it is your father's good pleasure to give you the king. He said your father, not your master. He said it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So every father wants his son. So this father says, son, all I have is yours. In other words, implication is you can party anytime you want to. You can use. Now, this, this older brother, the older son, what he said to the father was, this baby boy, my younger brother, your younger son, he took and he wasted, he's, these words, your livelihood. That's what he said. He said, he wasted your livelihood. <laughs> but the father's like, this is my livelihood. Man, I got plenty. I got, I got plenty y'all don't even know about. I got, I got so much livelihood. He couldn't, he couldn't, he, he couldn't exhaust what I have. And son, whatever. Now remember, remember, when this younger son asked for the livelihood, he divided to both of them. So, and the older boy, being, being by Jewish law, got twice as much as the younger boy got. So let, let's say when he divided, the, young, the younger son got $10 million. That means the older son got $20 million. So he got his $20 million. You know what he went back and do it? Serving. Y'all missed that. He got, he got the $20 million. And went back to serving. What? <laughs> Dad's like, boy, what's wrong with you? I gave, I, the, your Bible says in verse 11, he gave both of them. But the trick of the enemy is that he has us acting like servants and not like sons. Remember John 1, 12 in the King James Version, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave power to become what? The what now? So Jesus Christ didn't go through all the agony and all the torture that he went through on the cross and down through the pit, everything he went through for us to become servants. He went through all that for us to become sons. Because God already had servants before he ever made sons. I said, God, listen, this is good. God already had servants before he made sons. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. He already had service before he ever made songs. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, give me Hebrews 1, 14 in the New Living Translation. It, it says this pretty, pretty plain. It says, therefore angels, therefore what? Angels. Are, are only what? Spirits sent to care for those, for people who will inherit salvation. That's talking about us. So angels are only servants. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. That's why you don't worship angels. Can you tell them something else for me? Find somebody different because they didn't like your breath. Tell them, say uh, neighbor, say neighbor. That's why your loved ones if they're saved, when they die, they don't go to heaven and become angels. How many people in the body of Christ going around saying, oh, my grandma died and she became another one of God's angels? What? They finally earned their wings. You know what people say? They finally earned their, earned their wings. Not even angels earn their wings. Angels are given wings because it's part of their uniform. It's their built-in equipment. You and I don't die and become angels. Why would we die and get demoted? That's a demotion. It says angels are only servants. Can I keep going here? What am I talking about today? I'm talking about sonship. Because I don't want you or me or anybody in this room or anybody under this ministry living like a servant anymore. Angels are servants. Angels are in, in Luke 3.38, the Bible calls Adam the son of God. It calls Adam the son of God. It didn't call Adam the servant of God. God already had servants. He didn't create the earth and then put Adam here as a servant. He put Adam here as a son. The servant's job was to stand by Adam and see what you need. What you need help with, boss? Y'all missed that. What, what you need help with, boss? We got you. Y'all missing this. Y'all missing it. Angels are standing there at attention. Every one of you have angels. Didn't, didn't Jesus say, he says, be careful how you mess with the people here? He says, because their angels are always in God's face. Even little ones, talking about the little babies, the little children. He said, don't ever mess around one of these little children. He says, because their angels are always in God's face. So even from a child, before you're even born again, before you even know Jesus Christ, God assigns angels to you. Because you're a son. You're a child of his. The child has attendance to him. Attendance. Angels are attendants. Yo, boy, some of y'all, you're not getting this. Your Bible says in the 91st Psalm, 
it says that he gives his angels charge over you. It says he gives his angels servants charge over you. It, that, that doesn't mean they're in charge of you. He gives them charge over you, which means their, their charge is to protect you. It says that they bear us up in their, in their hands lest we even dash our feet against a stone. In other words, they're, they're here. They're, they're, some of y'all feel like, well, I hurt myself before. No, you ain't really hurt yourself before. What the, what the devil meant for you, it was going to be much worse than you scratching your little knee. And because you and I are sons, he gives angels the recharge or responsibility to keep us. They're servants. Adam, the Bible says, was called the son of God. Y'all got this? And he fell. He fell. But Jesus Christ, the Bible calls him 1 Corinthians 15, the last Adam. And he came to bring us back up to that place. Now I want you to look at Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Y'all okay? Hallelujah. Some of y'all are learning things you never learned. Some of y'all are getting just a review. But whatever you're getting, I want you to walk in it. Ephesians 1, 3, are you there? It says, blessed be the God. This is Apostle Paul preach, uh, teaching or writing a letter to the Ephesian church, Ephesus, church of Ephesus. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, come on, with what? In the heavenly places in, keep going, just as he chose us in him, he, he did what again? Chose us, he chose us, no I chose him, no, he chose us in him when? When? Now before the foundation of the world means before you came to the altar, before you came to Jesus. Before you got saved, before you came to church, before your mama met your daddy, before your grandmama, before the people came over in the boat, before whatever happened, before all the things you can go before, is before the foundation of the world. So you were chosen before, before Adam fell. Okay? That we should be holy... And without blame, come on, before him in love, verse 5, watch, this is big. Everybody reading? Everybody reading? Everybody reading? Y'all boys, hold your heads up, read. Y'all need to read. You can't read looking down. Hold your heads up and read, boys. Ready? Go. Having predestined us. Having predestined us to what? Adoption as Sons by Jesus Christ to himself. So the point of Christ's coming was to do or complete in the court of heaven the adoption process to make us sons of God. Because Adam who was created as a son, lost it. But God came along and adopted us as sons. Now, maybe you don't understand this, how it works. When you get adopted into a family, 
There's a difference in fostering and adoption. When you get adopted into the family, now you become a family member even as much as the natural born children. You have the same rights. You now share the inheritance. So now as an adopted child, if, if grandmama dies, everybody going to split the house. Including you. So the rest of them can't say, no, 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 he was adopted. No, 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 she was adopted. No, no, no. We see, when you get adopted, now you become a part, as much a part of the family as the natural bone children. Got it? So he predestined us to adoption as sons. Jesus Christ was the only beloved son. Adam was the, was the, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ was the only begotten son. That's what I meant to say. He is beloved too, but he's the only begotten son. Adam was the created son. You and I are the adopted sons, but we're all sons on the same level. Whether created, whether begotten or adopted, we're all the same level. We share the same inheritance. Y'all Okay. Now, let's look at verse 5, please, in the Amplified Classic. Verse 5. No, let's look at first verse 5 in the NIV. Verse 5 in the NIV. Can you read it with me? Okay, whoever said can read it, read it. Ready? Read. He predestined us to what? To what? Sonship. What's the goal again? Sonship. So he predestined us. To predestine means he sets the goal ahead of time. He predestined us for adoption to sonship. Notice this, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Okay, now we're going to look at this in Amplified Classic, and I want you to really take your time, and we're going to read this like we're, we're 12th graders, okay? All right, you ready? Look at uh, verse 5, our, our college students. I'll learn about some 12th graders today, praise the Lord. You ready? Let's read together. Ready? Read. For he ordained us. Revealed. In accordance with. Because. So I want you to see the, the motivation behind this. Because it pleased him and was his kind intent. So God intended for us to be adopted. Because it pleased him. It, he, he, it, gives, it gave God pleasure to make us his sons. Now go back to the beginning of that verse, please. The beginning of, of verse 5. Again, for, for he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted. But watch this next line. Revealed. Revealed as. Remember because now we are. Now we are. But we need to be revealed as. If I can go back to the analogy of, of a child being born into a family. A, a child, uh, uh, let's, I'm going to just use a boy, okay, because we're talking about sons. A, a boy being born into a family, um, uh, 
when he's born, as a baby, he doesn't know he's a son. But he is. He doesn't know what he has, but he has it. Even when a child hits two or three or four or five years old, they don't understand really sonship. They know they're a child. They know, okay, somebody's, you know, cooking my dinner and taking me to, to kindergarten, and they know somebody's doing something for me, but they don't understand yet what it means to be a child or a son of someone. They, they don't generally understand that until later on they begin to mature, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, and, and that, that, that's why, okay, I move on. So it's, it's, it's important that, that um, how do I say this, Lord, that children know their fathers. The, the biggest issue in America today with our youth and their wildness is a loss of fatherhood. Anyway, anyway. So that child, they're hit, they, they hit an age where they get a revelation of their sonship. Especially as they mature and now they step into adult living themselves. They begin to understand, oh, this sonship. Now they begin to, to understand legal things and they, be, they begin to understand medical things. They, they begin to understand uh, familial things. They understand, oh, I'm a son. When they get a revelation, they act differently about that. All right. I got a few more minutes here. So our sonship, the living of our sonship pleases God. Everybody say sonship pleases God. Now go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. There's nothing that compares to sonship. This Bible is a is a manuscript on sonship. And if you and I don't see this Bible from the eyes or through the perspective, the lens of sonship, we'll really have a hard time uh, grasping um, the, the things of the kingdom. Because your Bible even calls us the sons of the kingdom. I'm, I'm trying to trying to say this right. Um, if if we just see it, if we just see ourselves as Christians or church members, then then we will never step into the reality and the fullness of the kingdom because the kingdom is full of it's 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 a sonship kingdom. It, this is a sonship word. He he, uh, he gave them power to become sons of God. And if you don't understand sonship, you'll struggle where you shouldn't struggle. Financially, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Because you don't understand sonship. You don't understand sonship. Hallelujah. 
as a, a son, a son, let, let me talk about spiritually real quick. Uh, as a son, spiritually, a son knows that um, every once in a while, you will do something to um, anger or, or something, something wrong in the eyes of your parents. But a son has enough experience to know that my parents, although they might whoop my tail, um, they, they don't kick me out of the house for it. And a son understands that that tail whooping was necessary. I'm going to help you out because y'all is trying to figure me out. The Bible says that if you don't endure chastening as a son, you're a bastard. King James used the word bastard. That if you don't ever get corrected, if you don't ever get chastised, then you're being treated like a bastard, and God's not going to have any bastard children. So sons understand, children of God understand, that we need correction. But that correction does not equate to rejection. That correction is what keeps me in line, keeps me in order, and rather than run away from that correction and, and, and let my mind get into rejection, I run closer to God. Y'all got it? Okay. Matthew 17, are you there? Because I want to show you again about this sonship. Hallelujah. And hopefully, hopefully you grab something from this here. Matthew 17, verse 1. says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John, his brother. This is John, the brother of James. Okay. Led them up on a high mountain by themselves. The four of them. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as what? The light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. He appeared to them, talking with him. Verse 4. Then Peter answered and said, first of all, Peter answered, nobody was talking to you, Peter. But Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles. One for you, come on, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So Peter's mind was, we see Jesus here, we see Moses here, and we see Elijah here. And Peter immediately in his mind wants to build three tabernacles for them to rest. But what he's doing is he's putting all three of them on the same level. Let us build one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But notice verse 5 says, while he was still speaking... That means God didn't even let him get the whole sentence out, and God interjected from heaven. Yeah. 
Oh, Peter, I see where you're going with this. But watch God's word here. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly, a voice came out of the cloud saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Now, what's interesting, this is similar to in, in, in uh, John uh, where, where Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan River. And John, uh, when he baptizes him, uh, uh, the heavens open and they hear a voice from heaven. God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that's it. But here, here, where Peter's mind is to put Jesus and Moses, Moses is the law, Elijah, representing the prophets, to put Peter, Moses, and Elijah on the same level, God interrupts him and says, hey, wait, wait, hold on. This, you almost see a finger pointing. This, because remember, Peter is talking to Jesus. And so God says, hold on, Peter, this is my beloved, what? Son in whom I am well what? Hear who? Hear him. Now, Moses was, let me just just help you. Moses was, was a good man. I mean, Moses, I mean, first of all, Jesus shows up. He's transfigured. His glory that's on the inside is revealed on the outside. And all of a sudden, here comes Moses. What, what gives Moses the kind of credibility to show up here with Jesus? Well, Moses, the Bible says Moses was faithful in all of his, all of his house. Moses walked so, God, walked so much with God that the Bible says that when Moses died, that uh, uh, Michael, the arch, archangel, and Satan fought over his body. Now, I've never heard any story about any funeral home, uh, Smith or Creel or... Any, any funeral home in the area where they've had angels and the devil fighting over somebody's body. But Moses, the Bible called him, he, he was, he was God, God said, I speak to him as a man speaks to his friend. Moses walked with God so much that his face would shine when he came from God's glory. And Moses was so, 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 so noble that the Bible says that the angel, uh, Michael, and Satan himself fought. They wrestled, disputed over his body. Then you get Elijah comes along. Elijah represents the prophets. Elijah walked with so, walked so with God. Elijah was the kind of guy who would stand up to all these prophets of Baal and all these prophets of the grove, stand up to Jezebel and Ahab and proclaim the things of God. He's the one who called down fire from heaven and slew and, 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 uh, and ate up the and licked up the sacrifice. He's the one that called fire down and licked up uh, 50 servants, uh, uh, 50 warriors and 50 more warriors uh, next time. And he's the one who would part the Jordan, the Jordan River and part all these different. I mean, this is, this is Elijah. Elijah walked with God so closely that one day, Elijah, uh, before he leaves, God tells him, I'm getting ready to take you. But before you go, I want you to go and anoint Jehu, and I want you to go and anoint Elisha. He's going to take over your role. And Elijah is walking with Elijah, and, and, and he's, Elijah is so close to God that God doesn't even let him.
him die. Moses, God let die, but they argued over his body. But Elijah, God doesn't even let him die. One day as he's walking, you know the story, don't you? One day as he's walking, God sends a chariot of fire. Swoops down out of heaven and swoops and splits up Elijah and Elisha. And that chariot of fire scoops up Elijah. And he goes as a living man up into the heavens. And here they are on this mountain standing there with Jesus. Moses, as great as he was, in Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, God told Joshua, he said, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. As great and noble as a man as Moses was, yet in God's post-mortem address about Moses, God says, Moses, my servant. Wonderful servant, but he was still a You read through the scriptures and you see several times where the people would reference Elijah and they would always call Elijah God's servant. They would say he was, he was Elijah, his servant. So it makes sense then why when they're up on this mountain, y'all still with me here? On this mountain of transfiguration, when, 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 when Peter, in fact, it's so interesting that Peter just over one chapter behind in Matthew 16, when Jesus says, says to them, who do, you, who do men say I am? And they said, some say that thou art Elijah. Some say you're, you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of just in chapter 16, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But you read later on in Peter's writings, Peter kept calling, calling Jesus the servant of God. That means Peter still didn't get it through his thick skull. But God told him. When he has this great servant, Moses, and this great servant, Elijah, he points out, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. You have heard Moses. You said the law. You have heard Elijah. You said the prophets. But now hear my son. Now, I got to help you with this here because uh, it, it, it'll, it'll help you. I, I think it'll help you here. When he said this, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That word well pleased comes from a Greek word, eudokio. Eudokio, listen to what it means. It means to prefer, to choose, rather. It means to favor. You better catch it. This is my beloved son who I prefer. God is making it clear that I prefer my son over these servants. 
that I choose rather my son over these servants. Watch this. That I favor sons over servants. This is my beloved son in whom I prefer. I choose, I favor. And he says, hear him. Hear him. So you got to catch this. God is well pleased with sons. He prefers sons. He chooses, rather, sons. He, he favors sons. So if you and I don't live like the revelation, like we have a, a revelation of sonship, we act like servants, and so God can't prefer us. Oh, Jesus, you, you're not catching it. That when he wants to send somebody into a territory to do great things for him, he's not going to choose servants. Y'all missing it. Because servants are going to go in there with a timid mindset. Servants going to go in there with a little shy attitude. But sons walk in like they own the place. And if you ever want to do anything great for God, you got to get over your servant mindset. Now, I'm not telling you that we don't serve God, but we are serving sons. We're not servants. And you don't have to get a sonship mindset because when we go in as sons, we, we know that we go in the authority of our fathers. And we make demands, not requests. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I was, oh, Lord, I, I don't want to leak this out too much. I, I was out walking the other day, and when I, when I walk, I'm meditating on the things of God. And, and, and all of a sudden, the, the scripture came in my heart. I wasn't reading it, but the scripture came, came up in my heart. The rich answer roughly, but the poor use entreaties. And, but it didn't come up in the connotation I, I usually think. We, when we say the rich, the Bible says, the rich answer roughly, but the poor use entreaties, we think, well, you don't want to be like the rich people answer roughly. And God says, I'm ready for my people to start answering roughly. I'm going to come on this side. I need to find some people who can answer roughly. My people are walking around begging, acting like servants, begging, acting like poor, at begging, acting like, like they're slaves, rather than answering roughly like they're rich. I don't know. I told you. I shouldn't should let that slip out. That's, I need more time to flesh it out. The rich answer roughly. And we go, we, 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 we don't want to be like that. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. When the devil comes out all upside your head, you can't be using no entreaties. What, what does it mean, you use entreaties? Entreaties means you can like begging. You're like, um, please, would you please, um, please, you know, could y'all please give me this loan? Could y'all please um, open it? Could y'all please, um, that's, that's, what, that's how poor people talk. The rich walk in and say, how much is this? I'm not, I'm not paying that. That's how rich people talk. No, I'm, I'm not going to pay any more than this for that. And that room, when they say, no, you just keep, you walk, okay, well, that's right, I'll spend money somewhere else. That's how rich people talk. Rich people answer roughly. When people aren't taking care of your stuff, you answer roughly. 
Servants don't act like servants like, well, you know, we'll see if we can work something out and shout out. No, 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 no. God, God needs his people to act like sons because we are sons, not like servants, because we're not servants. We're not supposed to be the ones sitting around begging and pleading and asking and waiting and hoping and wishing. We're the ones supposed to be Okay. All right. Okay, let me let me let me wrap this up here. Romans 8, 28 through 30. Remember we read here <clears throat> back in Ephesians that we're predestined to, to the adoption of sons, right? Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Y'all have heard that, right? For whom he did, for whom he foreknew, he also did what? He also did what? To be what? To the image of his son. So he predestined us to be conformed. Remember, we were, we were, ordered, we were predestined to be, to be adopted as sons. Now he said predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Because it's one thing to be, be predestined to become, to be adopted. Another thing to be, to be conformed to the image. In other words, in other words um, if, I, if I were to um, adopt, let's see, uh, Joya. If I were to adopt Joya into my family, you became an Anderson. You would no longer be a Hazley anymore. Sorry, Deacon uh, wrong. She would not be a Hazley. She would be a, an Anderson, Joya Anderson. That's one thing. But for her to, she was still in our family photos kind of stick out. Because if she, if she doesn't start to look like us, people will kind of know, oh, she looks a little different. But when she begins to conform to our image, now no one can tell a difference. So it's one thing to be predestined to adoption and we become sons. But if we never conform to the image of the son, the devil can still tell a difference. And the reason why he don't give you any respect is because he can still tell a difference. <laughs> but if I would allow myself to be conformed you know that that word conform means means to to take on the same likeness, the same likeness. It's, it's a Greek word, uh, sim, uh, I think it's simorpho or something like that. It, it means to be the exact same. You become the exact same as to be conformed to the image of the son of his son. Watch this, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Did you catch that? So Jesus Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when you and I become sons of God and conform to that image, it says the point is so that he, so the, the elder brother Jesus Christ and all the other brothers, we look exactly the same. So he can be the firstborn among many brethren. 
he makes us the same. I, I pray, I pray right now by the Holy Ghost that you are letting this sink into your spirit. That you are allowing, even if it, it might feel like it's above your cognitive level, that you let this sink into your spirit because this revelation will actually shift and change your life if you understand sonship. This has been a foreign thing to the, most of the body of Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Look at verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, those, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also what? Remember that we were predestined to become sons of God, predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. And notice at the end he says, so when he predestines, he calls. And when he calls, he justifies. And he justifies, he glorifies. So there's a glory of sonship. Elder Baker, it's very easy. You could talk to any Christian. I don't care what level, what denomination, uh, how long they've been saved. And you, if you would tell them that Jesus Christ carries glory, that he walks in glory, they'd have no question, they'd have no reservation believing you when you told them that Jesus Christ walks in glory. That, he, that he's glorified. But if you were to tell that same Christian 9.9 out of 10 that you talk to, that you have the same glory as Jesus, they kick you out of their church. Who do you think you are? You blaspheming. You're a heretic. And yet your Bible says, that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image. That means that whatever image he has, the plan was we'd have the same image. In fact, your Bible says that you and I are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Y'all ever heard that? We say all the time, we go from glory to glory, faith to faith, glory, glory to glory, faith to faith, right, glory. What glory are you talking about? He's not talking about goosebumps. He's not talking about goosebumps. He said be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The more we stare into that word, we're being transformed into that same image from glory. Thank you. Put, put up first, second Corinthians 3, 18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We behold the glory of the Lord. Oh, God, we behold. Jesus, thank you, God. I'm going to sit down on this, boy. I love the Holy Ghost, man. I love the Holy Ghost when he tells me something I wasn't thinking about. But we all, say, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. See, we don't have any, any qualms about the glory of the Lord. We don't have any reservation. We don't have any question about the glory of the Lord. But it says as we look into that glory, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. See, 
seek see, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. See, because what's happened in this new, modern, prosperity-only mindset church is that when we say glory to glory, we think a better car. Better car to a better car to a better car. Y'all quiet, but I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you, this, 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 is, what, this is what our prosperity-only church mindset has. That from glory to glory means I'm going from, from this kind of house to a bigger house. And I'm going to get a mansion. And then I'm going to get an estate. And that, that's, that's what people think. When they say glory to glory, um, first I was wearing, wearing Tom McCann's. And now, now I'm wearing Prada. And now I'm wearing Gucci. We, going, that, we call that glory to glory. But that is not the glory he's talking about. We've made that about prosperity. And it's not about prosperity. Now, I'm not against prosperity. I'm all for prosperity. But this ain't about prosperity. This is about you becoming a son and looking and living like a son just as Jesus Christ is a son. And the more we stare into that word, the more you and I begin to look like him, we become the same image from glory to glory. That means when we first get saved, we may still have a little struggle and may still have a little word to come out of our mouth. But the more we look into that image, the more we begin to appear like him. Words I used to say, I don't say anymore. Things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Places I used to go, I don't go anymore. Things I used to think, I don't think anymore. Ways I used to act, I don't act anymore. Because I'm being transformed into that image from glory to glory. The more I stay with it, the more I look like my Lord. For bigger, bigger, bigger houses and better cars. Who cares if you've got a mansion and still live like a devil? No, he wants you to look more like him. He wants you to look and live more like him. Every day. And the more you get a revelation of your sonship, the houses will come. When Jesus was met with a situation where people were hungry in the wilderness, the Bible said he asked the disciples, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed them? And the Bible says he asked them this, but he himself knew what he would do. Why? Because he's not out here like a servant. He's out here like a son. And he knows as a son, all I got to do is ask my father, say, Father, here's what I need, and it's coming down from heaven above. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now go back to Romans 8.31 Amplified. Romans 8.31 Amplified. I'm, I'm going to close out here because I, 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 if I get cranking too much, I'll, I'll hit Hebrews and we'll be stuck here the next two hours. And those, yeah, thank you, verse 30, thank you. And those whom he thus foreordained, remember he, he predestined, called, justified. Those who, whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also did what? Justify. Justify. Acquitting, made righteous, 
putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. So notice in your Bible, even in your King James, your NIV, whatever you have, this is all past tense. Which means it's already done in God's mind, already done in God's eyes, already done in God's sight. What he's waiting on is you and me to get the revelation of it. The revelation of who I already made you to be. Because if you can ever get a revelation of who I already made you to be, you're going to figure out that I've already raised you to a heavenly dignity and condition and a state of being. In other words, you're already a son on Jesus' level. Now, I can look at some of your faces and you're like, nah, I don't believe that. Well, either believe you or believe the Bible. Because the Bible says you are a son on Jesus' level. And you could tell people 24-7 about Jesus' glory, and they'll praise God with you. But you tell them that you walk in the same glory? If you told somebody that anything Jesus did, you can do, they kick you out of their church. Huh? Anything he did, you can do. They put you out. Why? Because they don't believe the Bible. When Jesus Christ himself said that because I go to my father, greater works than these shall you do. So anything he did, you can do. Did he heal the sick? Did he cast out devils? Yes. Did he raise the dead? Yes. Did he open blind eyes? Yes. Did he unstop deaf ears? Yes. Did he cause the lame to walk? Yes. Did he cause the maimed to be made whole? Yes. Did he forgive sins? Yes. Yes. I see I mess y'all just like wait. I can't wait. I can't do that. You can't do that. How come Jesus told the disciples, he said, when you go out, he said, whoever sins you forgive, they'll be forgiven. And if you don't forgive their sins, they will not. Be. He gave them authority of other people's sin. I don't see y'all. Y'all just, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. 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 I don't know if you understand what kind of level God put you on. You are not some ordinary girl, some ordinary guy. You are not some ordinary person on this planet. God has raised you up to, to sonship on Jesus' level. Are you saying we're Jesus? No, no, I'm not talking about that. Remember, he's still king of kings. He's still lord of lords. Your authority is under his authority. But if he gives you the authority, it's as if it's him. Right. 
Let me close out here. I'm, I'm going to skip a lot of this here. Let me close out one verse. John 17, 22. I may finish this next week. I may not. John 17, 22. This is Jesus' prayer. You know, he prays in John 17. This, this is the Lord's prayer. That our Father who art in heaven, all that kind of that's not the Lord's prayer. That's our model prayer. This is, this is Jesus' prayer right here in John 17. Look at this one verse in John 17, 22. He says, this is him talking to the Father about the disciples, about you. He says, and the glory. Are y'all seeing it? And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one. This is we. Oh, come on, stand on your feet, stand on your feet, stand on your feet. As they say in good church, rest on your feet. Come on, rest, rest on your feet. God bless you, rest on your feet. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Now that's interesting because in Isaiah, God says, uh, I will not share my glory with another. And people take that scripture to mean that we can't have the glory of God. But what he was talking about was they were in idol worship, serving other gods. And he said, I will not share my glory with other gods. But you and me share his glory. Now that's good. Because Jesus says, and the glory which you gave me. So the glory came from God. So this is God's glory. He said, the glory you gave me, I have given them. So God shared through Jesus Christ the glory that he had. That's why we read in Hebrews 2.10 that God through Jesus Christ brought many sons to glory. Through, brought many sons to glory. There's a glory place, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll preach it next Sunday. I don't know. Because it's time for us to come up a level. Servants grovel. Servants, oh Lord, please. That's, that's not how sons behave. My wife and me, our, our children, they don't ask us, can they go in the refrigerator and get stuff? Now, when they were little kids, they would only because they, they were learning what was appropriate and what was inappropriate. But now they know. They matured. So now they don't ask us. So as you and I mature... The mature sons of God, then now we don't have to go and ask God, well, can I, God? God, can I, you know, is it all right?
No. Here you go get it. Just go take it. It's ours. It's, our, it's, it's ours. It's already ours. Now. Now you share my glory. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we did it. I've given that, a lot of that which you've given me. Father, I pray that these are people, as they have heard, that the word gets past the cranium, past the cerebral state, past the mind, down into the hearts of your people. God, this word is a meaty word, and it belongs in the heart and the spirit man to bring transformation in our lives. Father, I am aware that several things you said today were challenging to our understanding. But Father, even myself, I, 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 I chew on it. I, I take it and I chew it. I take it. I chew it. I take it to get all of it, Father. There are things you said to me that I wasn't aware of, things you said today that, Lord, I wasn't thinking about. And I receive, we receive today this higher word. And I pray that your people will take the time this week to meditate on this word. Just because we didn't understand it all today, that we don't just leave it behind, that we don't make ourselves wayside ground, but we'll be those who hear the word and rejoice over the word and study it out to apply it to our lives that it may produce a 30, 60, 100-fold quantifiable results that you said it would, be, that it would produce in our lives. So I pray, Father, to this day for your people that we would not only have a revelation of sonship, but manifest that sonship in the earth. The whole earth is groaning, travailing, waiting on the manifestation of our sonship. And I pray that your people that we'll experience, even as Jesus Christ experienced on that mountain of transfiguration, that that sonship glory that's on the inside of us will be revealed outside of us. The whole world will know that, God, you do have sons and daughters that are living on this planet, faithful and sold out and dedicated to you, Father, living holy, walking uprightly, walking blamelessly before you, Father, that whenever we're corrected, we don't run away from it, God. We run to you because we know that, God, you're not treating us as illegitimate children. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that glory that is in us and on us would work through us and begin to bring change in people's lives. Your word says when Jesus Christ wrought that first miracle at Cana of Galilee, when he turned water into wine, it said that God, through this, he manifested his glory. Thinking that God will manifest that glory as miracle workers on this planet, bringing healing, deliverance, salvation, redemption, wherever we go, and manifest the glory of our sonship. Bless us and keep us, and for these things we'll give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Put those hands together and give God a praise today for the word.